Hey, so Jesse, we talk a lot about college on this show. Yeah, we do. And what we actually mean is Avondale University College, where we both got our bachelor degrees in ministry and theology. Yeah. And, you know, that's also where we became buddies and we lived in the dorms. We ate at the calf, walked to class in the sunshine. It was great. It was great. We had late night Maccas runs. We led in worship and uh, we also met some of our closest friends there. Absolutely. Probably one too many late night Maccas runs for me. But, you know, honestly, studying at Avondale was the best. And we're so stoked to say that this episode is sponsored by Avondale University College. Called to make a difference? Called to beat Avondale. Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a show all about saving the best and burning the rest. Absolutely. And guess what, everybody? Special news. You ready for this, Jesse? Uh, I think so. Uh, you, you already know the news, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's give him the news, buddy. <laughs> this, at the time of this recording, a few days ago, I got to celebrate my first Father's Day. Ah, congratulations. Woo! Thanks. Thanks, Jesse. Go me. Go no. you. You are... <laughs> A father, you are now the, uh, the 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 kind, compassionate uh, guardian of your progeny. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, great word choices. I was trying to Fantastic. think of words that that were descriptive and but yet not inappropriate. So I think I kind of succeeded. In well, you definitely one. chose words. I did choose words. No, how does it how does it feel, Josh? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's kind of, well, I don't know any other first-time fathers out there for this past Father's Day. And I know America has a different Father's Day to us too. So Yes. Um, we celebrate hey, the Queen's Father Day, Father's Day. And what Father's Day do they celebrate? I don't know. I'm assuming it's ours. Probably not, but anyway. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, I... I, I uh, it, it's, it is kind of weird because Father's Day, right, it's like 20... What was it like? Twelve, twenty-eight-ish years of mm-hmm. Father's Day is always about other people, you know. Yes. My dad. It's always about my dad or something, yep. you know that, or other people's dad. But then all of a sudden, this one—it's just like it is still about them. But mm. then it's also about me, which it is- hasn't stopped being about them. But there's also yeah. like that extra element on top of that. Yeah, it's like, come on, son, you're welcome in. Come on in. This is for you two now. You know? Yeah. Now when your dad says, uh, you're winning, son, you can be like, yes, dad, I now have children. So I get to say the same thing to them. <laughs> I am winning. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was really exciting. Got these great um, Father's Day cookies from... From, from Lacey? My, from my daughter. Yep, absolutely. Wow. She must have gotten up uh, early in the morning, slaved away over at the stove. and She's a hard worker. Oh, good on her. She's a hard good worker, honor. that girl. Mm. The Stuthers household, you you start them young, you know, no slacking off. <laughs> Straight out of out of the womb into the field, you know, just <laughs> putting them to work. Yep. Uh, Cultivating no, those just... potatoes. <laughs> what are you on about? You're know. Irish, aren't you? Your family's yeah. Irish. I'm oh, just... well, yeah. Anse- <laughs> I can't really say I'm Irish because oh, it's yeah. like ancestors are Irish, but I'm... Right. 
You're Irish in the same way that Conan O'Brien is Irish. I don't know how Irish Conan O'Brien is. Well, I mean, he's a he's a ginger, and uh, he grew up in I'm assuming Boston, and he's like he's I anyway. It's the same thing, Josh. <laughs> so just okay. accept what I say and move on. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Hey, how 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 was your uh, how was your weekend? <laughs> My weekend was my weekend was great. Actually, it was actually legitimately great. We had a uh, a baptism up in beautiful sunny Todonga. We got to drop in to say hello to yourself uh, and Lacey and Danelle, uh, which was lovely. And Nora and Sunny, of course. Although Sunny spent most of the time in my wife's shoes for some reason. <laughs> he loves he loves the leather. He does. Um, he does love. Leather shoes, well, kind of all things leather. Like mm. people put a leather handbag down. He's 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 into it. He loves it. I don't know yeah. what it is. You have a strange cat, my friend. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, Not going to defend him. Yep. I completely yeah. agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No. But we, no. Uh, my weekend was great. The, uh, baptisms are always beautiful, and we were up in Tauranga for a baptism uh, as a pastor. That is just one of those things that is just like ah, oh, just a beautiful bucket list thing that. Everybody just kind of loves uh, universally and uh, being able to see somebody that you journeyed with for uh, years and years and years, make that decision, take the plunge as it were, um, literally and figuratively, is uh, <laughs> True. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So, yeah, I uh, my my heart was full of love on the weekend. Hmm. So Yeah, I love a good baptism. It's just yeah. a good time, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, All it's good. It's just great. Um, yeah. Sounds good. It was great. It was great to actually see Jesse in person for the first time in uh, ages. Six, eight months? Nine yeah. months? How crazy is that? <laughs> it's lockdown, man. Lockdown, we only live yeah. four hours ish away from each other, but uh, by, by, by uh, car. But it, yeah. Just I forgot what it's like to do long long distance traveling. Hey, it's it's been a while. Yeah, um, I haven't done any pretty much. Yeah. Since yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel know, like I this know. this year has done weird things to everybody. Like I feel like I'm in a weird place through no faults or actions of my own. And I feel like everybody's kind of in that weird space as well because of twenty twenty. Yeah, you know, I feel like a whole lot of people are just like, I don't know, maybe if we just wait, 2020 will be over eventually, this whole thing, and we'll just go back to maybe somewhat normal. I definitely feel that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm just like, man, I just want to I just want to go back to some sort of regularity. And interesting conversation. Okay, guys, we will get into the we will get into the episode content in a bit, but you know, we like to chat. It's what we do here about the haystack. We're 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 chatty kind of podcast. We're, we're we're all friends here. So, we all chat. It's what we do, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I find, do, do you find your creativity has been a little bit like suffering a little bit in Yes. In I, I started the year with great plans of doing, I had some projects lined mm -hmm. up that mm -hmm. were, yeah, very, I was very excited for them. Personal projects, not work, personal stuff, creativity stuff that I wanted to do. Um, yeah, just, I just, it's been tough getting them off the ground. Like generally, I am a bit more of a um, putting things off type person, a little bit of a procrastinator. But usually, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll get something done if I if I really put my mind to it. Um, but this year, I just haven't. It's not that I haven't. It's not that I've distracted myself 
or like chosen to do other things through a way of procrastination. It's just that actually sitting down to doing things, I just, it's just not as inspired. I'm not as inspired to, to actually create, which is, which sucks because I'm actually also still very excited for the projects that I want to work on, but it's yeah. just, yeah. How have you felt? Yeah, no, you know, I'm, um, I feel the same. I like it's, and it's not like we're in the we're not in like isolated lockdowns anymore really no. in in where we are in the world you know we can freely move around there are still some restrictions but it's not like i know in some places they're still trapped in their apartment kind of thing so um our hearts continue to go out to all of you we love you all um and yeah but i find that just the season of the year like all the things happening just the bad stuff like not even just covid like yeah. i'm talking this whole like the riots and everything we're seeing, yeah. the oil spill in Mauritius, the, oh, you know, just, just all this. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another one. Just, you, the, the list can just go on and do on Do you and even on. remember that at the beginning of the year, Australia was literally on fire? Like, Yeah, <laughs> right? I thought that was 10 years ago. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like there's just so much yeah. stuff happening this year. There's a word for it that I can't remember, but I was listening to a podcast ages ago and they were talking about how it's something to do with your empathy levels. Like you only have as a human being empathy for a certain number of people or things. So we as Mm. human beings were never built. We were never equipped to be able to uh, deal with all of the horrible things that happen in the world. So... If something happens in horrible happens in Beirut, you would think that, okay, the people who would be most affected by that are the people in Lebanon, maybe the people in the extended Middle East, right? They have empathy for the people in their immediate area. But suddenly we live in this world where suddenly everybody has to kind of be engaged with what's going on somewhere very far away. Mm. And what this person was saying on the podcast, I wish I could remember what it was, is that we are actually not equipped to deal with uh, feeling that empathy for so many people over so many days constantly. It's like emotionally draining. Wow. That sounds so true. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. And that's the thing. Often when something happens, when something happens in another country, you know, far away from you, I think often, unfortunately, just because of the way we're wired, often we're like, oh, that's sad. But you don't feel it the same as if it happens in your own territory. And I think I that's think, just... I think the first time it happens, you might feel it more or if it involves somebody that you know. But I just think over totally. time, you get desensitized to it. It's like another tragedy. Oh, great. Now I have to deal with this, even though yep. I don't actually have to deal with it because it's happening far away with some yeah. with people that I don't know. Pretty much still nothing aware I can do. Maybe donate to an organization or that yeah. sort of thing. But that's, but that's really probably, that's probably Like, do you think it would be worse then to not know? Like if something horrible happened, do you think it would be better or worse not to know? No, I think, I think it's better to know personally. Mm. Like, <laughs> but to know and not be able to do anything about it. Well, the, the thing is you can always that- do something about it in your own land. Like... Okay, so for example, what happened in um, Beirut? Like, it's, it's. Wait, am I pronouncing that right? Be- Be- Beirut. 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 Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Okay, just second guess yeah. myself there. Yeah. But like, because of the tragedy that happened, we can at least learn from it 
and advocate that, hey, we don't want that same sort of thing happening here. Can we make sure that that's like, do we have that kind of situation anywhere? Um, I mean, obviously, like that's coming out from a very, well, maybe like practical point of view that it's like, oh, we should know so we can learn. But it's, I mean, and you, I, I hate saying that, but I mean, it is also that we should be like, no, so we can be empathetic to our our fellow man. And, you know, but that's obviously it's getting harder and harder as more and more crazy things happen all throughout the year. It's like, how, how am I meant to contain this feeling? Yeah. Like it's not sustainable. Yeah. Exactly what what you said before. It's yeah. And I, I guess coming back to the the original question, well, actually, did you want to contribute on that? Like, would it be better to know Uh, or not know? I don't know. In some ways I wish that I didn't know. Mm. I, I just, in some ways I just wish I didn't know because if I don't know, then I can focus on the hurt and the healing that can happen in my own context. Mm. So like if it's the stuff that happened last year in New Zealand, like we had Fakati White Island blow up, we had the Christchurch shooting, we had all this stuff happening in our own neighborhood, stuff that we can actually do things about, you know. Um, not that, you know, I don't, we don't live in Christchurch. We don't even live near Fakatane, but, you know, we can contribute. We can go to rallies. We can donate. We can do yeah. special things. That's in our own neighborhood. But then having to feel like, okay, something else has happened. All right, let's pray for the Australian bushfires. Okay, let's pl- pray for the people in Beirut. Okay, let's pray for the coronavirus victims in Italy when the first outbreak happened in Italy or the United States or, you know, let's let's pray for another school shooting victim, or let's play, pray for the next tsunami sort of victim, mm. or whatever the case may be. It's just, I don't know. I feel like I would rather not know what's happening around the world constantly, every single day, so that I don't have to feel empathetic for for whoever is in jeopardy today. I I, I don't know if that's a that, you know, like that's not like a moral. I'm not trying to make a moral stance or statement for every single person but i know for me i'm just it just is exhausting when you feel like everything is going wrong all the time everywhere (laughs) yeah no and i understand taking breaks you know i for a while i was scrolling the r slash world news subreddit because i actually really appreciate like that obviously because of the voting system on reddit you actually it kind of filters through like stuff of importance quite well, yeah. I find, for finding news um, and even balanced sources often as well, which is interesting. Uh, but anyway, that's a side point. But I just found like, you know, there was a stage where every single night I was just going through it and reading and reading and reading and reading. And, reading. and I just found like after a month and a half or something, I was just so drained and so stressed and anxious about the world. I'm like, what's? why am I feeling like this all the time? And I'm like, I actually yeah. need to stop reading, you know, every night. I'm still watching the. I'm watching the news when I have dinner, which I know. <laughs> Look at me, watching mainstream media. <laughs> well, you are a dad now. <laughs> I know, uh, but I mean, yeah, and I'm doing that. I'd, but anyway, I um, I don't know. But I've had to just reduce how much I'm paying attention in it, which sounds horrible to do. But I just had to pull back a little bit. I'm still seeing the major things, but you just kind of got to pull back. I don't need to see every little thing at least for a while. I just need to focus on the here and now because there's just again, I. There's so much going on all the time. Yeah, I don't know. And not to mention that, you have your own stuff that you have to deal with. You're a new dad, you know. That's true. You have a wife, you have a job, you have friends, you have family, you have stuff going on in their lives. I mean, that's 
that's always supposed to be our primary uh, responsibility to the people around us. But I just don't. I I, I do question the value in focusing too much on what is happening in the rest of the world uh, yeah. is that detrimental to like your responsibility to your loved ones the people in your initial circle your local community your your, your small circle that sort of 100 people or so that's in your everyday life sort of thing mm. yeah not really i don't really have an answer but no yeah maybe even coming back to what Jordan Peterson used to see all the time. It was just like, start off, change the world, clean your room. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. it still holds true. Like all this stuff going on, what can I do? Well, clean my room, make sure my house is in order. Yeah. And then see what I can do elsewhere. Like, yeah. This is true. It's this interesting. True. Hey, well, we'd love to hear thoughts, everybody, on this, actually. This is an interesting conversation that we weren't planning on having. But anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I hope all of you are not feeling this drain hopefully a lot of you are feeling more energetic and more uh creative than than usual i find i think it's just my i've still got like like you i've still got lots of ideas and things but i'm finding the inspiration isn't as easily flowing as normally normally i'll Mm. I'll hear a tune or i'll see something and it'll inspire me to do work on a creative project and then yeah but i find like i'm listening to beautiful things i'm seeing beautiful things but then it's not translating into my creativity like it normally does i don't mm. know i think i think there's yeah just the drain of it all so yeah yeah that's that's what i was trying to start off this whole thing by saying which is <laughs> then we went into a very deep conversation about news empathy it's all good stuff so, yeah um, but but hey today uh we are also doing something quite impactful and important i think in the context of our podcast the last uh month or so because we have been going through this series, reading scripture responsibly, and today uh, is our final episode in in that series. Uh, we have uh, taken quite the journey, haven't we, Josh? We have. Yeah, it's um, it's been really fun. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, today we are basically going to be summing up our final thoughts on the series, anything else that we uh, may have to say on the topics that we have covered so far. And we also have a few questions from our community that we are going to be answering. Yeah, like we got so many questions. Um, we just had to filter through. So if yours doesn't yeah. get answered today... No, I'm kidding. We we got like three. So... <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have to tell them that, Josh. <laughs> no, I didn't. But it's kind of preserve funny. the illusion. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm just going to assume we did such a good job with the series that people just had no questions left. We, They're like, wow. we already answered their questions before they even. It's like the Holy Spirit, you know. Yep. <laughs> Speaks for you without you even being able to say the words. No. Um, yeah. So we got a cup, a handful of questions that we want to talk about. Um, and then we're just going to do a quick sum up and, and that's going to be it. And we will be moving on to some new topics, some new interviews in the next coming weeks. So that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to cap off this, um, this series with, with our questions and responses. So, uh, I don't know, Josh, which question do you want to go for first? Well, it's funny. Two of these questions, I think, could actually be answered in the same vein. But well, I think we'll just start uh, from the one that we both have on the top of our document. Okay. Uh, so the first question is, does scripture 
always need to have an application. Hmm. I'm going to assume by that they mean like a practical application for yeah. everyday life. AKA a hermeneutic, I yeah. would say. You know, it's funny because I was as I was thinking about this question, um, I I was thinking about the way that most people engage with scripture. Um, I think it's a pretty safe statement to say that probably most people will would engage with scripture on a devotional level. Would you agree, disagree with that statement? I don't know. Mm. I, like, I think so, but I don't have... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I okay. haven't done... I would like to do some research into Bible reading habits yeah. cross-denominationally, you know? Yeah. I think there could be some interesting stuff. But I'm going to assume... I think so. I think so. On my current basis of knowledge, I'm going to say yes, but I would love to be okay. proved wrong. Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking about this and, um, you know, something that really struck me is when you look at our church historically, like we don't have a very good historical sense of progression and tradition and where we have come from. Like I, I, I definitely think that certain traditions like the Roman Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, those denominations um, definitely have much a much stronger sense of history and tradition, and sort of like the pedigree, the the places that we've come from, the the early church fathers, the the sort of uh, sense of we belong to a historical tradition that has spanned thousands of years. We in the Protestant world don't have that as much, but it did strike me as I was thinking about this on a historical level, the first sort of 300 years of the church's history, uh, we didn't have the Bible. In fact, we don't have, we didn't really have to Biblia or the Bible uh, until about three, the 350s AD. Um, the crazy 350s. Oh, my Anyone else goodness. remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Only fourth century kids will really remember. <laughs> 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 uh, only fourth century kids will be able to tell me what the name of this is <laughs> Man, those don't Facebook even comment me insane don't, don't even comment if you weren't alive in 367 ad <laughs> we had the best tv show so we had the best uh, drawings <laughs> cave drawings no but uh so yeah i was just thinking about this but the, the 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 funny association that I, I realized is that probably the most explosive growth of the church uh, in the entire history of the church happened in those first 300 years. Probably one to 200 years, probably more so because, you know, Constantine legalized Christianity and then became the state religion and things slowed down after that. But... Um, in the, it struck me that the first 100, 200 years, the most explosive years of the church's growth in the modern European world, um, didn't have a Bible. They didn't have a Bible to mm. be able to read in a devotional sense, to be able to draw out an application. And interestingly, yeah. though, I would also, I would also think, just okay, just based off my rough memory of church history. Mm. Pretty sure that's when, like, the biggest, craziest heresies came out in the church, too. <laughs> well, like, the church has been full of know, heresies since the very beginning, I suppose. Ah, oh, yeah, but, like, not like, what, like, Gnosticism and that kind of, like, that got pretty... Yeah. And the... Uh, I'm trying to remember that one about Jesus being, like, a... Oh, de deism? 
Yeah, d- yeah. It was like a date, or he's like, they were like trying to work out what percent God and man he was, oh. and then oh, he was actually God, but like living inside like a uh, fleshy body. Modalism. Yeah. Anyway, you got like all those sort of. They all came out in those first few hundred years. Yeah. Because that was yeah. when you sort of had the mix of the other religious worldviews yes. and all that kind of thing. This and is true. They didn't have the strong scriptural foundation and tradition that we have to build yeah. upon. So. Interesting. Like a, anyway. They didn't have a systematic theology sort of robust. They were still working it out. It was still being processed in real time, um, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, so so anyway, getting back to the question, does scripture always need to have an application? I think the easy answer would be to say no, because certain scripture... Yeah. Here's the funny thing. Okay, so we talked about this in our inspiration discussion with um, Pastor Kirsten. We also talked about it a little bit and we when we talked about what the Bible isn't. Um, but one of the things that is pretty obvious, I don't think this should be controversial, is that just certain parts of the Bible are just there for context. Certain parts of the Bible are just there because they have to be there. Um, there are certain parts of the Bible that are just nothing which is which is kind of challenging to us because i think many of us are kind of stuck in this whole you know all scripture is god breathed sort of thing so if something has got no application then does that mean that that power wasn't breathed by god i wouldn't say it's nothing like i don't know uh i think if you if you put the bible in the context of being a overarching narrative, I think it, I think it helps make sense to the question a bit too, because you have some yeah. parts, like okay, for example, if I'm watching a, a TV show, so and I, like I really like the TV show. It's not like I like every single scene in the TV show. Ge- yeah. Generally, you've got some parts that are just there setting up for the next part so that the next part can be really good but that part before it's like well i mean it's got some application to the whole story but when you're watching it in and of itself it's kind of nothing i think this might come back to the way that we read the bible in terms of we read the bible in terms of verses and chapters whereas the original authors never really broke these up into chapters and verses themselves that had to come later on so maybe Well, from my understanding of the New Testament letters, you, you would only ever hear no, he, under, wait, you'd only ever hear the contents of them in in the entirety of the letter being read out in, in a public setting. Full reading. So, like, yeah. yeah, like Romans, for example, they would have read the entire book, the entire. Well, we call it a book, but for them, it was just a letter. Yeah, they would have stood. Someone would have stood up, read the entire thing, sat down. That's it. Whereas we sit down and read it bit by bit. So it's yeah. You could say like the whole thing, the whole thing has application, but maybe not each individual section is equally as yeah exciting or. <laughs> and, and this is where uh, you know we can take scripture out of context when we take one tiny part of scripture and build an entire theology around it. You know, Philippians four thirteen, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We take that completely out of its context. And we make it into something that is not about being able to live in prison or in a palace with lots of food, with no food, with wealth, with poverty, which is what Paul is talking about in the context of the passage. But because we only read tiny parts of it, we come to a different application. 
So, okay, coming back, coming back to the question <laughs> again. Um, does scripture always need to have an application? I think that, well, as we talked about in our discussion around exegesis, the first application that we should always apply to the scripture is the original application. So if it comes to that, then if there's no application for today, then we can probably be pretty safe in just being able to understand the original application that the original author was trying to communicate to the original audience and be able to allow that to inform us about God's wisdom, God's love, whatever the case may be. But when it comes to needing scripture to always have an application, I suppose I would come back to that that sort of question. And I'm not saying that devotional reading is bad. Absolutely not. That's how I engage with the Bible 70% of the time, 60% of the time. I mean, I do use the Bible a lot for sermon writing and Bible study, but it's also, I also use it for application. And even when I'm doing my sermon prep, it is, it's in a devotional sense in a way. Mm. Um, but I don't know that devotional reading, we should limit ourselves to just reading it in a devotional sense. I mean, when in the church do we just take a letter from Paul or a passage or the entire Psalms or the entire, probably I wouldn't read the entire Psalms. No, for days. <laughs> or, or just a letter maybe or like a gospel and just read it in full for the, for the assembly, for the, you know, I've never experienced that in my no. life. No, right. be pretty interesting. I'd like um, to do it with a New Testament letter one day. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's that's very easy, you know. Well, I think if you're going to do something like that, you'd want to do it like somebody who's very good at mm. um, oratory or whatever. Yeah, like somebody who can do like a really good monologue kind of thing. You want somebody yeah. who can really zhuzh it up, for lack of a better term, you know. <laughs> just really, like really, like not just read it, yeah. but like read it, read it, you know. Like, like I, Mor- I would Morgan love to try Freeman. It. I wonder if I can get my church on board. Like, all right, yeah. guys. We're not going to do it with Romans because that's a bit too long, but maybe Philippians? Yeah. Just do the whole thing? Easy. Yeah. Probably takes a like, solid to read it out loud. Probably, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes? Yeah. No. Which is maybe. like nothing. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah. Mm. So, okay. I think my take on this. Oh, did you have anything else you wanted to add to that? Sorry. No, nah, nah, you go for it, bro. Yeah. I think my take on this would be that in a way, all like, all scripture does have application, but I wouldn't say each verse has application. Yeah. Is how I would probably frame it. Um, like it all has it all has purpose, but it's not all the same. It's not all the same purpose. And that's sometimes we have to like reconcile it and be okay with that. Um, you know, even even things like some of the Old Testament stories that we love to turn into children's stories and give them some sort of moral application. Mm. Sometimes maybe we should just read those stories as just stories, um, you know, for helping set up the wider context of the bigger story. I'm not saying there's no application in those some of those stories that become, you know, but I'm just saying sometimes we should just read them for the sake of context and, and understanding the bigger picture of how was God working through Israel? How was Israel responding to God? And maybe it would actually lead us to a deeper understanding of the character of God. 
if we maybe try and focus a little bit less on trying to get an application for today and focus on what is this really saying about why why is this written what is what is the significance of this um in relation to who god is and how he's working with the world Mm. yeah i think we have to go deep and wide you know like we have to be able to have the tools to go deep into a particular passage if we need to to really dig out the original language and the the themes and the design patterns and stuff like that but also we need to be able to have the skills to understand the wider context of of scripture um keeping it in the big picture and if that big picture is kind of messed up or non-existent then we are going to impart all sorts of weird applications that just weren't there in Mm. the first place so yeah yeah Mm. Uh, yeah i think i think maybe we need to start challenging that that uh thinking of reading in terms of verses and chapters like yeah make make bible reading in the entirety great again i I don't know (laughs) i don't know (laughs) all right maybe we should wrap that question up there (laughs) let's do it yeah i hope that answered your question we'd love to hear any other thoughts on that uh, next question, uh, ooh, a little bit harder. Is there any part of the Bible that you personally struggle to understand? Yes. <laughs> no, I get it all. No. <laughs> yeah, no, de- definitely. <laughs> you, yeah. Know, I've, you know what I find ironic is I think the part of the Bible that I find personally most difficult to understand is the part of the Bible that my denomination loves the most. Daniel and Revelation. Mm. The reason I say that is because I was brought up on this stuff. I remember from a very early age, my parents um, giving me a uh, Daniel, particularly Daniel. I think it was some Revelation, most particularly Daniel, like a Bible study set. And we would study it as a family and we would get into the statue and the different parts of the statue and the different like... The, the kingdoms, the Medo-Persians that took over the, from the Babylonians and the Bab, you know, the the Romans who took on after the Greeks and all that sort of stuff, and it was like crazy cool for me, and I loved it as a kid because um, I liked Age of Empires and the armies, and, the, and I was like, oh, this yeah, is yeah. cool, you know, like. But then I, I, I got older, and it stopped being cool, and it started becoming weird to me, like. They got a point mm. where I was like, I'm not sure if I believe everything that's being taught by my church about this stuff, especially when I started to realize that actually other people had different interpretations than the one that I was taught. And I realized that uh, not everybody saw it the same way that I that my church did. And when I uh, started working through that, what had once been so clear and obvious to me became uh, a lot more complicated. And of course, that's how life works when you grow older and you become more, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, Today, I have a much clearer understanding of, I think, of the prophetic books of the Bible. But still, I I find myself in tension with that because... There are certain parts of my church tradition that still fervently hold some things about Daniel and Revelation that I fundamentally disagree with and that I will never I will never come around to. 
I don't never think Never say so. never, Jesse. Never well, say never. You never well, know. <laughs> I've got, look, I've gotten in trouble with different people about this in my own like sort of ministry life. Um, th- look, there are just stuff about Daniel and Revelation, certain interpretations that we have as a church that I just, I can't jive with. Look, I might come around to it one day if I decide to go down that rabbit hole, but I don't think you and I will have a lot to agree on if I do. Um, <laughs> but it's still, it's, I find it difficult to understand, not because I think it's specifically difficult. It is difficult to understand on a, just a, if there was no other cultural um, interpretation playing playing with this whole thing. Um, yes, the prophetic books would be difficult, but I find it particularly difficult trying to find a balanced viewpoint of apocalyptic literature in a denomination that is so prone to extremes of viewpoint, specifically as it relates to that apocalyptic literature. Mm. So, yeah, that's just an honest sort of where I'm at with that stuff. I think for me... Um, I've got a different answer to the question, but I can respect your answer because I think a lot of, mm, maybe not, oh, no, yeah, no, Daniel and Revelation, um, when I've heard them taught in the past growing up, I remember them being fused in with a lot of stuff that was, let's be honest, like just real conspiracy theories. Yes. You know, like really moving away from the what the Bible is actually teaching and what we can really genuinely learn. And then people just on their hobby horses with it. Yeah. And a lot of that was all sort of fused in. So for me growing up, I had to, and you know, like some of it could be correct. Who knows? I don't know. You know, like some conspiracy theories end up being real in the end. Um, But, um, but anyway, but I think for me, I had to, I well, I stepped away from looking at them for ages because I'm like, yeah, nah, it's all conspiracy theory. But then I had to sort of come back and relearn and separate. Okay, what's actually like biblical and what's like the actual thing it's teaching, and what was just hobby horses that have been embedded embedded in my brain that I have to separate from all of this. I think that's a bit of a, like that's led to I think a difficulty in reading Daniel and Revelation and understanding it because I have to actually work extra hard to remove. Um, like presuppositions and preconceived ideas about the book as I'm reading it. Yeah. I, I think that's a challenge we've made for ourselves by hitting them so hard and so many different preachers getting such massive platforms preaching them. But then also like, yeah, infusing their, their like things that think that are just their, their interpretation and not really being explicit about it, just being their interpretation. Yep. Um, 100%. Yeah, I think that's a bit of, bit of trouble we've got ourselves into yep. as a church. But anyway, that's... Um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, maybe others feel the same. Uh, but honestly, like just a bit of encouragement. I actually would like to do some more episodes on them as a podcast, but uh, we've done a little bit, but maybe some, some more in the future. But they're they're really interesting books if you can actually get into some like good material with them. Anyway, yeah. that's a side point. Um, you know, for me, <laughs> I've always had a uh, Song of Solomon has always been a weird one for me. <laughs> I, I understand it. I know what it's about, but it's still weird. Like, why is this in here? You know, like, and I've had so many people answer the question to me and, you know, it's explaining it's all about like, like some people are like, oh, it's about God and the church. I'm like, nah, it's a bit too, uh, nah. A bit too <laughs> explicit gonna... for that. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, or like some people are saying, it's just like God expressing, like it's just about how like God still values love and romance. And I'm like, yeah, but that could be seen in other parts of the Bible. Like it's just a weird, it's, to me it's just a weird inclusion in scripture for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I've always had trouble understanding why it's there. Um, you know, I get a good laugh out of it. <laughs> and there are some <laughs> things I've I've taught out of it as well. Like definitely some value, but it's always yeah. just weird to me like that it's there. Yeah. Um, that's always been a weird one for me, yeah. uh, a less ticking point. And to be honest, you know, we did a whole series on finding grace in, in the Old Testament and we did that whole thing about finding grace amongst all the horrible stories of genocide and that kind of thing. But even still, I read them and question that. You know, I've got the logic, I've got the know, know-how there, but there's sometimes when I'm reading the the something about some story in the Old Testament, it's super violent and I still read it sometimes. And I'm like, was it really... Is that really what had to happen? You know, mm. was there whether there are other ways that that could have gone down? Like God, what were you? Sorry, I sound like I'm like almost crying. I'm just a little bit dehydrated, but <laughs> you know, it's just like why? <laughs> it's okay, Josh. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could be more anyway, but I, yeah, like this is some yeah. things you read and you're like, man, still, it's still a bit of a struggle, and I can logic and reason my way through it, but there's still a side of me that's questioning. I think you know parts. one of the things that I find interesting is like. Um, going back to the original question, does scripture always need to have application? Like Judges, that whole book. Oh, that, it's like that, anti-application. It, it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like it's an entire book of saying, this is what not to do, you know? Yeah. No matter what you do, don't be like these men and women. And if you're not, then you'll be okay. If you are, here are the dire and diabolical consequences. It's almost like certain scripture just exists as like anti anti application. <laughs> yeah. Like a big warning sign. Do not do this. <sighs> Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else to add to that or should we move on to the last question? Nah, let's go to the last one. All right. I'll read it. Final question. Uh, well, the original question was two words. Leviticus dot why... Um, but the extended version of that question is how are you meant to read Leviticus? It seems like it's only there so we can use it to frame other stories or to be like, see how bad the law was? All in capital letters. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Leviticus. Leviticus is one of those books that is a little bit more difficult to read. Um, we're not going to be able to offer a full explanation that's probably going to be super satisfying for most people, I would say. But I would say uh, there are some really great resources to uh, check out. I think that we can probably safely uh, recommend Rob Bell's, uh, was it Blood, Guts and Fire, the Gospel According to Leviticus or something like that? Yeah, I haven't haven't, um, listened to it. Okay, but, I've, uh, I've heard bits I've heard of his it. teachings on Leviticus before, so I, yeah. I assume they're at the same level and they yeah. would be that good. So I'm okay to also recommend it, but I haven't listened to the whole thing personally. So okay. don't hate me if it's got something you disagree with in there. My basic understanding of Leviticus, and I'll keep this short, my basic understanding of Leviticus is Leviticus uh, exists to illustrate the law. So the basic pattern of Leviticus is... God giving a command or a law and then an illustration of what happens when people either follow it or in most cases what pe- what happens when people don't follow it. Um, so this could be something like 
uh, when God gives the law against idolatry and then we immediately follow that up with the story of the golden calf. The the the, the narrative is sort of it it's it's God and Israel forming this covenant. I think is probably the central idea in the whole one uh, of in the whole book of of God and the people of Israel coming into this covenant together and working out what the terms of the covenant actually looks like in person. Um so it's not just dry theology, dry law giving, thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do this. It's actually a narrative that accompanies that law giving that illustrates what it looks like when the law is followed or what it looks like when the law isn't followed. Um, that doesn't make it any less difficult to read if you are somebody who is easily bogged down in in the details for the dimensions of the temple and what materials were used and mm. all that sort of stuff but that is probably the best way that I could think to under to unpack it yeah uh like I, I I see a bit of beauty in Leviticus but I only see the beauty in it to be honest when I pan out really wide and look at the whole thing <laughs> so it's kind of I'm trying to think of a good like analogy like if I was to like zoom in real close on Jesse's left nostril from a lower point, <laughs> I'd be like, man, this doesn't look that good. But then no. when I zoom out and I see the whole picture of Jesse, I'm like, what a good looking bloke. <laughs> you know? Cool, and I man. Feel like Leviticus is a lot like that. You like zoom in, you read each part, you're like, oh, like, yeah. I don't, why, why do we need laws about that? Isn't that just common sense? But then you zoom out and you look at the whole big picture of like the narrative inclusive of Leviticus and it becomes kind of beautiful because again I think I've talked I feel like I've spoken about this maybe I preached about this I don't know it's all blurring into one but it's like Exodus is all about God getting his people out of Egypt but then Leviticus is all about God getting Egypt out of his people oh that's that's I've never heard that before Oh, right. Well, okay. I, mu- I must have been when I was preaching that I thought, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and so it's like God spends so much time having to reestablish and reteach them what it means to be a human in all. Yeah, I guess to be human, but to be a, to be God's people. Like it's they had be... lost it that much that he has to go down to the yeah. finest detail to be like, look, you know, like. When it comes to your beard and shaving it, and don't don't do this, you know, don't mark yourself like just just do that, you know, like yeah, it's really meticulous, and I think that's kind of beautiful that he cares so much about every single little thing that he's wanting to, you know, bring. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Have these people who who glorify like they they uphold the name of the Lord, and these are people who live and breathe the name of the Lord, like they are bearers of His name. And he wants every part of their life to show that and not. So they don't bear the name of Egypt anymore. They bear the ones of, they bear the, bear the name of Yahweh. Maybe it comes back to like what we were saying with um, reading in terms of chapters and verses. Because like I imagine if you're doing this as a devotional practice and you're reading like chapter 22 verses 1 through 7 as part of your devotional reading for the day, you might read that and just be like, what? what in the world is going on here yeah you know yeah totally yeah. but if you're if you're reading it maybe not in terms of um getting bogged down into the details uh then i i suspect that you might have a better time and then after you have that uh wider context 
getting down in the details would not be so onerous and might actually make a lot more sense to you. Um, mm-hmm. it, it definitely has when I've read Leviticus because if you're if you're just reading it verse by verse, um, then you're definitely going to be getting bogged down or, or you're going to just going to do what a lot of people do, which is to pick out one thing and then just kind of, you know... F- just, just focus on that. Yeah. You know? Don't wear two fabrics or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Or, or the tattoo thing, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. people get stuck up on. Yeah. Really, really stuck on that. So. Yeah. yeah. And you know, for I haven't, I haven't studied Leviticus excruciatingly deep, but every time I've taken a weird part of Leviticus and I've done an interesting study into the historical context of it. Um, I've always found something super interesting about the culture of Egypt and the counterculture of God mm. every time without fail. So I'm assuming the entire book is like that. Every single part, you could do that. Like the more context you study about life in Egypt for them, probably the more interesting you'll find Leviticus too. Um, that's my that's my mm. take on it anyway. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, and that's um yeah that's all the questions that we have time for. Uh, as Josh said at the beginning, we had so many more that we couldn't get to. So um, <laughs> so glad that we were able to get to these three key questions uh, that are just the cream of the crop. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, but that brings Don't you us love to the- how honest we are. As pod- yeah. No, no other podcast would admit that, would they? No, you, they'd all you- lie and be like, "Oh, thanks yeah. for the questions, every you know." But yeah. we're like, guys. We got three, but we got three questions. There were three great questions. Three so we're great. happy to answer them anyway. To be fair, we've had we've done other episodes where we've had way too many questions to answer. So Oh, um, that QA episode back at like what was that, episode fifty or something? It that was, was a long insane. Time. <laughs> it yeah. was it was it was very eclectic. So no, thank you everybody who did send questions and uh, thank you everybody who have been following along with this series. This is this is the end of this series uh, and yeah, we're on to new content next week and uh, I'm, I'm excited. So thank you all for joining us on this series. Thank you, Josh. Um, oh, thank you, Jesse. <laughs> You're uh, very and, welcome. You know, the, the next week's episode does actually kind of connect to this series. Um, we've actually had, and so this is getting into preview for next week. We've had a lot of questions since we started this podcast about can you do an episode on Ellen White yeah. and the spirit of prophecy. Next week is the week, my friends. We've yeah. just come off the back of reading scripture responsibly, so we're going to hit it in one episode with a special guest. We're going to hit reading Ellen White responsibly. So, uh, yeah, for those of you who've grown up in the Adventist church or maybe recently come in and you've heard a lot about Ellen White, next week will be a very valuable episode for you. Yeah. No, it's great. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. We really wanted to get this right because it is a topic that needs a lot of careful thought and consideration. So I'm excited for our, our guest. Shall we tell them who our guest is or should we keep it a secret, Josh? Oh, uh, no, you can tell him. You, you can tell him. <laughs> so our guest is Dr. John Shapajek, who uh, for 15 years, I believe, was the director of the Ellen White Research Institute at Avondale University College. He was also a senior lecturer at Avondale. And up until recently, he was, yeah, full time. He only just retired. Uh, hilariously, uh, I remember him telling us in the interview that he is retired now, which is going to give him so much more time for research. And <laughs> no. I was like, uh, is that crazy. what retirement means? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but apparently yeah, yeah, it's, 
in the academic world that's what it means he's um, looking forward to retirement for different reasons than i am <laughs> yeah totally uh, but no it, we're excited uh, we know it's one of those topics that people on the left and the right uh, and everywhere in between have very strong opinions on so i didn't quite know what to expect out of it, but I was pleasantly surprised and I think you guys will be too. So I'm looking forward to that next week. Yeah, I had a great time. He's so passionate about what he talks about. So yeah. tell your friends, tell your family. It's going to be a great episode. Jump on board. Everybody dive in. Can't wait. Uh, but in the meantime, we'd love to hear what you have to say. So make sure you send us your, your feedback, send us an email, contact us on on the old social media. But the best way to find all things Burn the Haystack is, of course, burnthehaystack.org. Yeah. And if you uh, want to support the podcast, um, subscribe and leave us a rating or review on whatever podcatching app that you have uh, available to you. And if you want to go the extra mile uh, and look fabulous while you're doing so, you can always go to burnthehaystack.org slash, is it merch? I can't remember now, but uh, you can no, go to the website. link, but it's, you know, yeah. you'll find it somewhere on it's there. It's on the website, you know. Buy yeah. buy a beautiful t-shirt, buy a beautiful hoodie. Um, and oh, no, sorry, it's a crew neck jumper. It's not a hoodie. I don't want to false advertise. Oh, sorry, sorry. Crew neck jumper. And uh, is, yeah, it's, it's it looks great. Uh, black is always in fashion. So uh, yeah, do mm-hmm. it. Do it's it beautiful. All right, guys. Thank you. Stay awesome. Stay lovely. That is Josh and Jesse.